Welcome to Indie Cider, where we go beyond the game and meet the developers behind today's indie hits. Hello and welcome to the Indie Cider Podcast, where I play indie games and then interview the developers. My name is Ken Gagney, and this week on episode number 46 for July 6th, 2016, I'm playing Perchang from the studio Perchang. Hey, if musicians can do it, why not? This is the first title from a two-man studio based out of the UK. I'll be speaking with Ben Merch and Pete Akehurst later in this episode. If you want to see the game while I'm interviewing them, you can go to indiesidernet slash perchang. But in this here audio edition, let me describe the game to you. It's for iOS. It costs $2. A copy of the game was provided to me by the developers. And it is a puzzle game. Each level is a rather austere setting of mostly a silvery metallic aesthetic that shows various pipes, tubes, fans, levers, and flippers. A few moving pieces are colored red, others are colored blue, and those are the only pieces that you have any control over. When you push the blue button, all the blue pieces activate. When you push the red button, all the red pieces activate. And you can change which color is assigned to each part just by tapping on them. Your goal is to manipulate this Rube Goldberg-esque machine to make sure that the marbles that are dropping from a pipe on one side of the screen make it to the goal on the other side of the screen. Sometimes this is easy. It's just a matter of simple timing of hitting a flipper, like in pinball, to make sure that they make the jump over a gap into the hole. Sometimes it's much more complicated, such as toggling a fan to get just the right amount of thrust to push the ball, but not too far. And sometimes the colors, there being only two of them, are part of the challenge, because when you push the red button, all the red pieces activate, but you might want only some of the red pieces to activate, or to various degrees, or at various times. So it is quite challenging. There are five levels per area, and each area introduces a new mechanic or moving part. You can get a bronze, silver, or gold score based on how quickly you finish each level. You are indeed on the clock. The gameplay has been likened to Marble Madness, though I don't see that because you don't really control the marbles themselves. Similar to Lemmings, which I see a little bit more of, as each part does have its own function, although you cannot define or control the function. And maybe a little bit like Lunar Lander, where you're trying to get a specific piece to land in a specific place on the board. The game has online leaderboards, as well as the ability to record your performance for uploading later. As most of you know, I'm not a huge mobile gamer, because so many puzzle games are repetitive or redundant, as tends to be the case with what are sometimes called casual games. But Perchang has a definite progression throughout the game. There may not be a narrative, but you are constantly encountering new mechanics and not simply going through the motions as you figure out how to manipulate them to solve this puzzle. There have been levels that I walked away from because I was so frustrated, and then almost a week later came back and got it on the second try just because I had a fresh perspective. And I love that about the game, that a sudden new insight can open up a whole new area and new levels for you to experience. You can find the game at perchang.com. It is currently only for iOS, but is coming out for Android, and who knows what else. And you can, of course, find a video of me playing the game paired with the interview, as mentioned, at indiesider.net slash perchang. If you'd like to leave a review for the iTunes version of this show that you're currently listening to, please go to indiesider.net and click on the iTunes link to leave a review. It's not just good for my ego, it also helps other gamers to find this podcast in the iTunes directory. My thanks to Twitter user NMRJess for recommending the question with which I opened the interview. Here it is. Today I'm speaking with the co-founders of Perchang, one being Mr. Ben Merch, the creative director. Hello, Ben. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yes, very, very good, thanks. Thanks for having us on the show. My pleasure. And joining you is Mr. Pete Akers, the technical director at Perchang. Hello, Pete. Hi. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, sir. Thank you for giving me your time. You're calling from, what is it, London? 
Uh, well, no, we're in Guildford, which is just outside London. It's where they call it the the UK gaming hub, really, <laughs> where all the games get made. But uh, I'm not so sure that's true anymore now that Lionhead's closed down. Oh, dear. Well, other than Pertang and Lionhead, what else do you have in your neighborhood? Uh, God, let's see. We've got EA and, well, Criterion, I suppose. Uh, Three Fields Entertainment. There's, of course, Supermassive, who did... Um, what was that called? Uh, Until Dawn. Until Dawn, Until that's Dawn. it. Yeah, they did uh, that last year. Fireproof. Fireproof. Yeah. Lots, of, lots and lots of uh, smaller indie studios around here because uh, it seems to be that thing where... You know, you get a great big company like EA and then a lot of people kind of splinter off. I mean, we used to have Codemasters here, which is actually where Pete and I first met. And um, and then when that studio closed down, you saw, you know, maybe 10 or 15 indie studios pop up as a result. Sure. We had something very similar happen here in Boston when Irrational Games closed. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? Actually, I nearly came to Boston to uh, to work at Irrational. Oh, well, you'd be out of a job then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lucky I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> It was actually uh, visa problems, I think, in the end, or something like that. I don't know. Anyway. Now you're there, and now you're working on Perchang, and I'd love to speak to you about it. I've been playing this game on iOS ever since it just came out about a week ago, and the puzzles, some of them I can get right off the bat. They make me feel super smart, and other ones make me feel not so smart because they're super challenging. <laughs> and so I got. I have to ask, how did you model the puzzles for this game? Did you Were you playing with actual physical pieces and say, hey, this would make a good puzzle, or were you using a 3D modeling program? Where, what was your inspiration for the individual designs? God, that's, that's, that's an interesting question. Okay, so the, well, the whole concept kind of came from um, an amalgamation of ideas that Pete and I both had, really. And we sort of formed it into, you know, the general the general sort of feeling of Pachang, which is you have these gizmos and they change color and you have to get balls into holes. And then after that, we, we just kind of, uh, you know, you're walking along the street and you see something and you think, Oh, that, that, that could be part of a level, you know, um, you know, you see some bollards or something and a football kind of knocking between them and you think, yeah, okay, I, I could make that into something. You sort of get inspiration for them all over, all over the place, really. And then, um, and once we sort of we kind of rough it out as a three D model on the on the computer, I mean, using Unity is uh, is really great for just uh, prototyping all that kind of stuff. Then, yeah, we uh, we just sort of play around with it and uh, make sure it feels all right and get the gameplay up to a certain standard that we're happy with before even touching any of the art side of it, really. These Rube Goldberg machines that you've created are really quite elegant. It's they're beautiful to look at, and it also very very challenging, as I mentioned. Oh, thanks, thank you. I've seen the game described both in official documentation and in reviews as being inspired by such titles as Lemmings, Lunar Lander, Marble Madness. Are these the games you two grew up with? Certainly, Lemmings, I think, for me was a, was a, was a massive kind of uh, influence on the game. I'm not so sure about Lena Lander as much. Marble Madness, I mean, for obvious reasons, but Lemmings for me was one of my my favourite games growing up. I think uh, the complexity of the levels just kind of had me hooked for weeks or months. I think it was. Uh, it was so yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lemmings was a huge influence. Yeah, I'd go with Lemmings over the other ones as well. I mean, yeah, as Pete says, Marble Madness is one of those things. It's it's easy to draw a kind of uh, comparison to our game with. But Lemmings was actually (laughs) the first game that I had to update my dad's uh, PC for. It was Lemmings 2, I think. It needed 8 megabytes of RAM or something like this. Something ridiculous. (laughs) So, um, 
So, yeah, just this, that sort of feeling of having all these things drop into the world and then having to get them somewhere uh, via mechanics uh, was really kind of the driving force of the game. Yeah. I think the differentiation between the levels as well, um, the idea that each level was quite a unique experience, I think it was something we um, we worked on quite a lot. Well, something that came actually quite organically out of the the original idea, actually, the fact that each level was kind of an individual thing, an individual experience that... Um, you had to figure out as you were as you were playing through the game. Yeah, the way the game introduces you to the individual mechanics at the beginning of each area is really elegant because the first level is so easy, it's almost not a puzzle, but then it introduces you to the elements that become much more complicated as you progress through the area. I almost look forward to finishing each area just so I can get a little breather and start with something easy again. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually um, by design, really. Um, it's, it's one of those things when you're thinking about the audience that you're playing to, you know, you have to start really easy and really spell things out for people because it, it is a mobile game. Um, so you're going to get all sorts of people, people who don't, you know, traditionally play games, uh, right the way through to people who are completely hardcore PC players and this kind of stuff, you know, starting off at that, that simple, what is it? The first area is just literally sliding things, isn't it? And, yeah, and so rotating things. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just kind of getting that idea of uh, pressing buttons to change things in the world and then slowly adding these elements in. You get this nice uh, spiking of difficulties. So you have sort of your five levels and then the boss level. Five levels in the boss level? I should know this, shouldn't I, that really? Is... No, it's yes, four, no, four no, no. levels. No, it's five levels in the boss level, yeah. Five levels oh, including no, no. the boss level. Four levels of boss level and a gold run <laughs> level. That's it. Sorry, it's been a long six months. <laughs> yeah, so, so you get the, the gradual sort of ramp up of difficulty and then that, that accumulates with the boss level. Um, and then it's sort of, you know, you, you want the player to have a bit of a breather. So you push them back down again. You say, oh, and here's a new element to play around with. Here's a fan or here's a cannon or whatever it is. And then, then you slowly ramp that up again. Because if you just sort of had, you know, just a constant hill that you're running up, then I think people wouldn't be playing it for as long uh, because there wouldn't be that nice rhythm to the, to the yes, this is tough, oh, this is, this is okay, thank God for that. And one of the interesting things, I think, from our point of view is it, it, it very much came out of uh, us trying to make the development process easier. Um, we started with uh, five or six uh, quite uh, disparate levels, I guess, with different elements um, playing in different ways and having different uh, clever things in those different levels. And when we kind of sat down after a, you know, a month or so of development and kind of looked at what we had and where we were going, the idea of uh, introducing a, a different element in each area as it is in the game just kind of like naturally fell out of looking at what we had. And it made it easier for us to plan how we would make the game and what levels we were going to add. But also it naturally fitted into the idea of having a having kind of almost like a natural tutorial which played through the entire game. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a big old spreadsheet somewhere online, uh, which is uh, all the levels listed and then where we were going to bring certain items into the levels and well, the areas really. And uh, what we were going to teach the players along the way, because there's this, you know, you bring in something like a fan and um, and the first thing you do is you kind of go, OK, let's just you press the red button and that makes the fan work and you just hold it down and you do a level and that's and you've learned fans. Well done. That's great. Um, but then there's other things you can do with fans so you can, you know, feather the ball and things like that. So you, you need to kind of take that into account and make that the focus of a level before adding in any other kind of elements as well. And the amount of times we switched things around in that spreadsheet, it was, uh, it was, it was a good month, I think, of just, uh, oh, yeah, let's bring this in here instead. Let's bring that in there instead. 
So there was a there was a lot of kind of uh, forward planning with all that all those all those kind of elements in Gizmos before we even started doing the artwork in earnest. Really, how long would you say development was from concept to publication? Oh, it was six months, right? Almost exactly six months. Almost exactly, yeah. 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 We we started just uh, I think it was t- January the second. Took January the first off. Well, well, we I think we initially we initially talked about the game in uh, in probably November time, maybe December time, just to just kind of just chatted about the idea yeah. of making a game. But yeah. um, the actual um, actual development, once we just kind of decided that maybe we were going to make a game together, because it's the first time we have done that. Actual development did start, like you say, like. Um, yeah, January the sixth of January. Yeah, well, I was on holiday then, so I think maybe maybe oh, a week yeah. later. I got a few days on you. <laughs> and this is Per Chang's first game, right? It is. Yeah, it's Per Chang's first game. I mean, it's um. So I, I've known Pete for crikey, maybe ten years. Is it really that long? It's a while. Almost, yeah. I think eight years, but, but eight yeah, years. Not okay, far yeah. Yeah. And um, and like I say, we we met at Codemasters, and we always kind of wanted to work together uh, on various things. But I've I've been at Rodeo. And then Pete was at Popcorn and some other places and things. And, you know, the, suddenly the stars aligned just before Christmas and we realized we both had a bit of free time, um, about six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and yeah, so we said, hey, why, why don't we just uh, work up a game concept together and, and, and make this thing, you know, make it. It'd be great. And it turned out to be OK. Yeah. We haven't killed each other. It went surprisingly smoothly. <laughs> yeah, really good. <laughs> and you were able to work on this game while continuing to be affiliated with Rodeo and with Popcorn? Yeah, well, I, I, I can only speak for myself, really, because uh, so Rodeo Games uh, is taking a bit of a breather at the moment. There's just all these all these things that happen when you have a company of your own um, that people want to try out different ideas or do different things. So that's that's kind of on hold at the moment. So so that's all fine. And And with Popcorn... Yeah, I mean, popcorn was um, it, it's. Uh, I, I suppose a bit of an experiment, really, for for me and um, uh, some friends of mine in terms of uh, making indie games. It started out as four people and ended up ma- mainly being just me, as it turned out. So, in terms of um, uh, problems with the affiliation, it was kind of me allowing me to do something else, really, and because uh, uh, it was such a small company so uh, so no real issue there to be fair I guess it's, it's a lot easier when you're just uh, working for your own company really because if, if it was uh, oh EA can we have a little bit of time off to make this they, they might take frown, you know, frown on that a little bit but uh, but when it's your own sort of thing you can kind of make up the rules as you go along really certainly smooths out the decision making process <laughs> yeah <laughs> Chang though is very different from what you've worked on before at those studios like Storm Rush at Popcorn and Warhammer Quest at Rodeo what would you say is sort of the, the common themes or DNA that people can see in Perchang based on where you've come from and what you've worked on before? Um, so the, uh, the Warhammer Quest stuff is, uh, is that's, so basically the problem with all of those turn-based strategy games, and this is always something which irked me a little bit over my career, and, and most of the games I've worked on actually, because I was on Burnout and... Uh, uh, various other kind of violent-y kind of gun games and this kind of stuff, is that I'd take it home to see my folks and things like this, and they'd say, oh, this is lovely, you know, uh, looks really great, and I'd you know, give the iPad to my mum, and she'd sort of press a few things and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I see, yeah, okay, great. But um, but it was never really a game that everyone could get behind. And, you know, my, my brother's just started having children of his own and stuff, and I thought it would be nice 
to, you know, make something that just appealed to everybody, really. Something which wasn't all guns and violence, which you see so much of these days, which is getting a little, a tiny bit tiresome. And uh, and something which kind of explored a more creative, you know, puzzle-solving kind of thing. And it's, uh, I guess, if you're, if you're not careful, you can kind of get a bit pigeonholed in the games industry where... You know, you're you're that company that does turn-based strategies, or you're that company that does puzzle games, or whatever. So, uh, for me at least, it was um, it was about sort of trying out something else and kind of expanding the audience. Um, it's something that uh, something that you know relatives can play and understand. Yeah, it's very interesting for me actually taking it back to my family. Um, I think um, maybe my previous games have been a bit more accessible than Ben's in that regard, but certainly there was uh, there was quite a big difference with the Chang. Um, relative to the previous games I've made in terms of the fact that, um, well, I remember one particular visit home where I um, I was uh, back at home for my grandmother's birthday and within um, within an hour or two, um, both my grandmother and my five-year-old nephew had, uh, so my grandmother's 85 and my nephew is just five, in fact. Both of them had played through like five, six, seven levels of the game and, uh, and seemed genuinely like uh, to enjoy the experience of playing the games. I mean, certainly the five-year-old, it did because, well, he would have said if he hadn't, to be perfectly honest. Um, but my grandmother as well, whereas previous games, maybe she'd not necessarily understood or maybe kind of uh, said she liked it, but kind of didn't, you know, get what was going on. But this game, she seemed to, there was, there, there's something in it that seems to appeal to uh, a broad range of people, I think. Yeah, I mean that, that's an eighty-year gap right there. <laughs> that's, exactly. That's, yeah. that's exactly. quite a broad yeah. market, really. Um, yeah, you know, having having more more people to uh, to appeal to and um, to give uh, a little bit of entertainment. So that's that's kind of what we do, really. So we're just glorified entertainers, really. We just uh, make things that people kind of enjoy and spend a bit of time on. So um, so the wider the market and the more people you can bring into it, the better, really. I think one thing that's nice for me actually now I am um, now I think about it again is um, uh, just the the ability to to work with Ben really in terms of working with a 3D artist which I've actually not done before on, on games I've made before even though I've made 3D games uh, previously they've been extremely simple in terms of um, in terms of the uh, the 3D elements that have been involved in those games simply because it was it was me making them and uh, my abilities in that area are relatively limited. So um, working with someone who had the ability to to imagine these kind of 3D environments in the way they are in Pachang was kind of like a, a massively interesting experience and uh, and hopefully a, a good experience in terms of the, the success of the game. And the game has the same name as the studio, Pachang. How did that come about? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we get asked this a lot, actually. It's, um, <laughs> Pachang is, is a made-up word that we made up many, many years ago. Then we just used to say it to each other and then we'd high five because we were idiot 20 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it was kind of, it just meant like, uh, it was like a little bit of a boost, like a, uh, you know, Hey, that's an awesome thing. Or, Hey, we're about to do something great. It was, it was actually probably before I'd go off and give a presentation or something like this, or, or we'd go to a bar or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so when we were talking about company names, Obviously, we both just thought Pachang was a good fit for that. And then the game itself, we went through about maybe a hundred names. So, so many. And I think the front runner was uh, Small Balls, which is a terrible name, really. Oh, dear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't have done half as well. And, uh, and yeah, and then we were talking to a friend of ours 
And uh, he just went, oh, I thought the game was called Pachang. And then that just kind of, we just went, oh, yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. I read a review on Touch Arcade that implied that the community there had some feedback during the development process. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we announced the game on Touch Arcade originally, uh, I think uh, maybe maybe six weeks, eight weeks ago. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, so uh, quite, a, quite a decent chunk of time before we actually released the game. Um, and after the announcement, we we got a little bit of uh, a little bit of coverage on pressure. Uh, I'm sorry, on Touch Arcade, um, but also we uh, had a bit of contact from some of the guys on the forums. Um, one in particular, a guy called Roger, who's been absolutely fantastic during the last couple of months in terms of testing the game. So we've had um, a number of uh, a number of people that we met through that process that have um, been testing the game, and. Again, the feedback has been has been pretty astounding in terms of the the difficulty levels of the game, the, the curve of difficulty throughout the entire game, and also just in terms of pointing out various kind of like bugs and issues and that kind of thing that we hadn't necessarily noticed through the amount of testing that you can do just um, just as two people. Really. Yeah, I mean the 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 whole Touch Arcade forum crowd—they're really, really, really into their games, which is what you really, really, really want when it comes to people to test and things like that. I mean. The budget for this game was so minimal uh, for both of us that we didn't really have any money to do proper. Uh, <laughs> Pete's making the zero <laughs> with his hand. That we didn't actually have any money to spend on on actual professional testing, which is something I've done in the past with some of our other games, and um, which is a costly process. So all our beta testers came from the Touch Arcade forums. And from people who'd been to our website and maybe seen the trailer and, and thought, you know, that would be a fun thing to do. Um, and, and really, those people are absolutely amazing. They write you, you know, pages and pages of feedback uh, and they get bugs that you'd never even uh, have thought of trying for. One, one kind of instance sticks out, really. It was the gold run um, in the flipper zone, which I think is area three. And um, it was from Roger and he'd been... So that, that, that level originally had three balls and the third one was almost impossible to get. I mean, I think I'd done it once perhaps. And uh, it was about the third, third day of Roger emailing us saying, I, ca- I really can't do this. That <laughs> <laughs> I eventually sort of conceded and went, all right, fine, we'll, we'll change it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was, that was quite a sort of uh, a learning experience of, you know, because you're because you're so close to it and you're making it yourself, you kind of know how to do all the puzzles and you can figure things out and you're you're pretty good at the game because you you know the, all the ins and outs. Um, whereas having actual regular people, you know, off the street, so to speak, really sort of brings it down down to earth and it sort of goes, oh, actually, we need to curb the difficulty here and there. It especially helps with the puzzle element of the game as well because um, well the um, well the skill kind of. This, because uh, Pichang is kind of um, it's kind of part puzzle and part skill, I suppose. The skill element is kind of uh, one of those things that um, we both have kind of different proficiencies, I suppose, in terms of playing our own game. <laughs> but we have a we kind of like have an understanding of how hard it is to you know I don't know when you're using a flipper you know flip the ball into a you know a certain area with a certain accuracy. With a puzzle element of Pichang, where whereby if you change the colours of the elements it will maybe make it easier or less easy to complete a level or it might even be impossible to complete a level if you don't change the colours. Those kind of things, when you're the person who's laid out the level or designed the level, those things always seem pretty obvious to you um, because you're the person that's made them. Whereas if you're you know, just, just somebody else, anybody else, it doesn't matter, but someone with a fresh perspective, 
um, they can look at it and go, well, I don't, I don't really understand this. And you, you realise through that process that actually maybe what you thought was obvious really, really isn't. And uh, a lot of those kind of things were pointed out by the testers we had. And it was, as Ben says, absolutely invaluable. And ideally, you'll have more people playing the game when the Android version comes out, which is later this summer. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We're working on that right now, literally today. Um, just started. Just started <laughs> that today. So, um, But because we're using Unity, which is a fantastic engine, the process should be relatively easy. I mean, there are a few kind of iOS-specific um, elements in the game that we'll have to change over to Android. And of course, you know, running through all the the billions of different uh, phone sizes and things like that, um, that that takes a little bit of time. But um, but we're really hoping, you know, end of July, beginning of August, that kind of time frame for it. Were you aiming for a simultaneous launch on the two mobile platforms? Uh, no, frankly, <laughs> it's um, it's one of those things. It's uh, it's it's an probably an ideal situation to be able to launch on two platforms at the same time, and and with. Uh, a technology like Unity, which allows you to make make a game for multiple platforms simultaneously, it's um, it's achievable to to a degree. But but frankly, um, the uh, the amount of time we've spent um, doing things maybe other than making the game um, in the last two weeks or three weeks makes it almost impossible to do a do a simultaneous release when it's only two of you really. And um, there's there's only so many hours in the day. So uh, we decided relatively early on that we'd. Um, we definitely plan to stagger the releases and uh, see how things went in that regard. It's one of those things as well. It's, it's kind of better the devil you know. I mean, um, I've, I've, I've launched a, you know, this is my fifth, I think, game on iOS, um, which is quite, yeah, it's quite impressive. Right? Quite impressive <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I kind of, you know, we've got a few contacts at Apple um, who you can at least send the game to, whether they get back to you or not is a different thing. Um but you sort of know how it's going to go on the App Store a little bit. And um, I've not really launched that many games on Android. So it's, as, as a, when, when you're sort of doing your first game at a new company and you want to make more games as that company, then you sort of want to cut down as much risk as possible. So, um, so doing this, you know, in, in what is quite a risky game anyway, because we had literally no idea if people were going to like what we'd made. We knew at least there was a, a good, healthy audience on iOS. My grandma liked it. Your grandma liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't own an iPhone. <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, taking, cutting down the risk and things. I mean, maybe next time we'll, we'll go Android first. I mean, it's actually something we were talking about today. Yeah, just to see how, how the Android market is these days. Because a lot of developers report that it's actually a lot, lot better than it used to be. It used to be around about 10 or 20% of iOS revenue-wise we're talking. Um, whereas now people say it's actually kind of comparable, which without actually, you know, without having a similar game to test on, on Android without having it on iOS is, um, is hard to know. But it's something, it's definitely something we're interested in. It's definitely something we want to do next time. But yeah, it's, it's, this time around, it was just about risk, really. And I read that the game is even coming to other platforms. Can you give us any hints what those might be? Yeah, well, we're going to go PS4 and... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pete's face just drained white. <laughs> well, we can say this, right? Uh, absolutely, I think so. Well, um, we spoke about Android. Obviously, we're going to go. Um, we're going to look at um, building an Android version, um, and we're also going to look at um, uh, TVOS as well, and uh, potentially uh, Android TV as well. I think, yeah, as, yeah. A, as a as a similar kind of platform. There's a, there's a few kind of niggles to work out in terms of how it might work on a TV platform. 
um, the, the basic skill element of the game is kind of like easy to, to transfer, you know, the press the red button, the red thing moves, press the blue button, the blue thing moves. But there's the um, the idea of changing the colours of the elements is um, maybe something that won't work, obviously, on a on a non-touchscreen device. Um, so we, we've got a few ideas in terms of how we might solve that issue, but we haven't come to a... Uh, an absolute conclusion yet but um but we're certainly looking into it without that yeah i mean uh, i've actually played i've played the game on my apple tv at home <laughs> well i mean <laughs> using airplay oh, right, okay. <laughs> so it looks nice on a big screen tv uh, so that's good that's a good right. first step but yeah it'd be really exciting to see the apple tv because that's something that neither of us have ever um launched a game on and um and yeah i, I just quite like to do it just as a you know bit of an experiment and a bit of a hey look at that the Chang's on Apple TV. I do quite like the idea of seeing it on a TV. Yeah, it would yeah. be awesome. It's quite yeah. cool. Yes, I'd love to play the game on TVOS. I was also wondering if it would be a good fit for the Wii U or if that console is now a lame duck. Wow. I mean, <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> um, I, I think maybe more NX, really, than Wii U, depending on what the NX is. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd launch anything on Wii U at the moment. It's, uh, it's really tricky to get you know stuff on it, number one. And uh, and number two, there's not really much of an audience, I don't think. Well, we're quite a small developer, and uh, I, I must admit, I've, um, I've I've worked on Nintendo platforms very. Uh, uh, what's the word? I haven't worked on Nintendo platforms a lot, basically during my career. Um, maybe I've spent three or four months, I think, working on Nintendo platforms. So um, I'm not uh, you know hugely uh, a huge expert in that area, but um, I think us for us as a pair, as a as a very very small company. And to try and get a, a game on Nintendo, it sounds like it might be a maybe a bit of a difficulty. Sounds possibly. sounds a bit tricky, yeah, and maybe not worth the effort. I mean, something that I've been looking into. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure how how keen Pete is on this, but <laughs> uh, is um, augmented reality stuff. Ooh. I think it's uh, quite an interesting market. More more interesting than VR at the moment because VR kind of cuts you off, whereas AR really adds to your world. And there's a, there's a small company, well, small, pretty big company called Cast AR. Jerry Ellsworth, she's the founder, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And uh, I've been looking to their stuff, and they seem really good uh, and really legitimate and um, actually might make a huge dent in, in the AR market when their stuff comes out. So, yeah, it's on my to-do list is to email them and ask about dev kits and things. And I think seeing Pachang on an actual table in front of you would be... A heck of a thing. That would be really enjoyable, right? It does sound quite... Like, it might be quite impressive, actually, to, quite to, impressive, to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even if it's just us. Even just us. That would be a lot of fun. I would love to see that. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, Pertang came out. You worked on it for six months because you saw you had some availability in your schedule to create this partnership. What is next for this company, or are you now both headed back to Rodeo and Popcorn? Ooh, that's an, that's something we actually can't <laughs> say, isn't it? Um, we do have something lined up that we have started working on. Uh, well, Ben started working on it. Pete, maybe not so much. I, I've considered it. You considered it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, oh, this is this is quite tricky to talk around because we're not really allowed to talk about it. Um, it's quite different, and maybe it uses a license. Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> uh, it's a very very different type of game. Um, 
you know, that's sort of uh, the idea I talked about earlier about not really being pigeonholed into any one kind of area or genre is is definitely quite important for me because um, it just helps, you know, bring something a bit new and a bit fresh to the stuff that you're doing. I mean, having made turn-based strategy games for the last five years, you really start to sort of see fatigue there and, and stop um, stop bringing new sort of things to the genre. So having a bit of a break um, is, is really kind of, uh, you know, opens your eyes up to, to newer and, and sort of um, and better things. Uh, so, yeah, we can't really talk about what it is next. We're definitely doing something <laughs> together, <laughs> maybe with a couple of other people as well. Um, but what that is, we can't say just yet. I think it's, it's certainly a very early stage. There's no, there's no doubt about it. And um, we were actually talking today about the fact that we, in the last week or two, we haven't really done very much in terms of uh, working on either Bachang or working on anything else. We've kind of been, uh, I suppose, in a bit of a limbo, which is uh, it, it's naturally what happens when you get to the end of uh, well, well, any project, whether that's uh, you know whether that's with your own company or whether you're working on uh, on something larger or something else. There's always a there's always a lull when you finish because there's a certain euphoria that comes with actually completing something that you've been working for a long time on. Although obviously in this, in this case, it wasn't actually that long, but, um, but still there is that element of um, having finished it and the, uh, the uh, taking time out to enjoy that fact. And then, you know, reflecting on what maybe we might do in the next yeah. six months, year, you, you sort years. Do you take a little bit of time out and then, um, and then hit back into it? I mean, you can't just sort of work, because when, when we talk about doing development stuff, it's it's not easy. It's like a good 10 hours a day on, you know, on an easy day. So when you kind of get to the point where the game's out there and uh, people are enjoying it, well, hopefully, um, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. And uh, you just, you naturally just kind of take a little step back and you get a little perspective and, you know, you sort of do some other things in your life. And then you, um, and then when you're ready, you head back into it again and you hit it full force. It's almost like a metaphor for Perchang. You finished one area, it's going to be easy now, and then it's going to get harder. <laughs> right, I'm definitely using that. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm looking forward to whatever collaboration you have next, because the first one was a success, in my opinion. Can you remind our listeners where to find it? Yeah. Uh, well, it's Perchang, and you can find it on the App Store. Um, you can find us on Twitter at uh, We Are Perchang. Pachang R Us. Pachang R Us we went for, didn't we? Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. You can find us on, on Twitter at Pachang R Us. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at, uh, ooh. Is it Pachang or Pachang Games? I can't remember. I think it's Pachang Games because Pachang is actually a guy called Perry Chang. That is true. Yeah. yeah, yeah he got that, that one, one, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and on Twitter. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you can always email us at uh, info at pachang.com. Um, and you can find us in Guildford most days as well. Great. If anybody wants to come knocking, that's where they are. <laughs> don't don't come knocking. <laughs> houses or anything. That'd be weird. Wonderful. Well, Ben and Pete, thank you so much for your time. All right. Cool. Thanks very much, Ken. Thanks a lot, Ken. This has been Indie Cider, a Game Bits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at indiecider.net.